Welcome to 1986, the limited series from the Film by Podcast, where we discuss movies from 1986 and try and find out if it was the best year for movies in the 80s. I am not Jeff Johnson. I am Dayton Johnson. I am pinch hitting for Jeff. He is not feeling well, but I am here, of course, with Brad Kozo. How you doing, Brad? I'm great. I've got my uh, William Peterson shorty shorts on, and uh, <laughs> I am ready uh, to talk some uh, some Michael Mann. Yeah, wonderful. Somewhere between dreams and reality lies the key to a killer's identity. You want to know how he's choosing them, don't you? Hunting in that dangerous place is FBI agent Will Graham. What is it you think you're becoming? The closer he gets to the killer, the more deadly the dreams become. Manhunter. Starts Friday at a theater near you. Check local listings. All right. So let's let's discuss Manhunter, a Michael Mann movie from 1986, of course. And it was actually a second feature film. What are your first impressions when I mentioned the movie titled Manhunter? Um, a movie that I waited way too long to see um, a good copy of when I first saw it. I, I had never seen it on cable and I rented it after seeing Heat and I was, I was blown away by Heat. And I was like, I, I need to know more Michael Mann. And knowing that he did that, but when I watched it, it was just a really bad VHS. I, like I said, I think there's coffee stains on the video. <laughs> and you just, you can't get that Dante Spinotti, you know, look out of a video. So at first, I wasn't that happy with it. What oh, about really? you? Um, well, actually, I actually saw it. It was probably on video. Um, I probably was 87. But um, I can tell you, my girlfriend at the time, her parents actually recommended it to us because they had rented it. And they said, hey, we saw it for another day. You want to watch it? So we did. And I remember being kind of blown away by it. Um, Not so much that I thought it was the greatest movie ever. But I remember thinking, wow, this is pretty serious. This is pretty intense. And Mm -hmm. uh, it had a bit of an impact on me. I'm ashamed that I did not watch it again until much later. Um, But yeah, I I really did enjoy it considering... uh, um, it's one of those movies that stays with you. It, it, it takes a while yeah. for you to like process it. And like later on, you're just kind of thinking about it. It was like, man, there are parts about that movie that are very creepy and very, just very cool looking. And yes. you're like, let me go back. Maybe I missed something. Right. Right. I get you. I hear you. All right. Well, um, let's go ahead and do our, uh, our PSA from 1986. And so since obviously we're dealing with a uh, serial killer, I decided to, uh, find a serial killer that was actually working, working uh, from yeah. 1973 to 1986. And uh, it's actually a recent development in this case. So I'm going to go ahead and talk about Joseph James D'Angelo. Okay. Junior. junior. He was a former police officer and he was uh, uh, he a former police officer turned murderer, rapist, and burglar. So oh I guess he got tired of, you know, following the rules yeah. and um, he was responsible for three crime sprees during the years of 1973 and 1986 in California from Sacramento, Stockton, Modesto, Santa Barbara, uh, Ventura and Orange County. So he uh, was kind of busy around there. Yeah. And he was no- known as the original Night Stalker because I believe it was Richard Ramirez yeah, yeah. Name later too. Um, he was actually apprehended uh, April 24th of 2018. Mm-hmm. So it took him a long time. Obviously, DNA evidence, whatever, had gotten better. 
and they actually um, he's now currently serving two or sorry 12 life sentences wow um, he was actually convicted on june 29th of 2020 so just last year so uh, yeah, he was also known for calling uh, his would-be victims and harassing uh, the police with notes and things like that. So, so a little bit like the Zodiac Killer, too. Right, exactly. So, yeah, it was interesting that, and it uh, turned out. I mean, he was seventy-two when they arrested him. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, why? yeah. At this point, why even bother? But I mean, still, he got he got busted. He, mm-hmm. yeah. Crazy, 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 crazy. And, and with with so Manhunter, basically, our 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 first. Thomas Harris, you know, Lecter right. novel turned into a movie. Right. Uh, was originally going to be titled Red Dragon, but uh, uh, the year before, Michael Chimino's Year of the Dragon was a huge right. flop, and they Chimino seemed to be like box office poison to studios, and they just <laughs> they wanted nothing with the word dragon in it, so they, right. they switched it to Manhunter. What do you think about that switch? Because I'm kind of okay with it. I'm okay with it. Um, I think. It's almost though a throwaway title. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think it's. Uh, grab. I don't think it grabs your attention. I know they were concerned that it was being mistaken for a martial arts movie, um, mm-hmm. and I get that point. But I think they could have come up with something a little bit better than Manhunter. I mean, he is. He is hunting. I mean, he is. You know, the question is. I guess it could plays both ways. Yeah, the, that's the way I was yeah. thinking because it kind of plays yeah. both ways. Because this is really, I see it as uh will graham the man hunter you know it's this movie is you know lector is a side character to this you know the story is about will graham yeah and well and the tooth fairy dollar high yeah yeah so but yeah which they are technically if you look at them both they both are man hunters because one uh, dollar hide really does his homework and really does pick his families and does a lot of you know research and you know stake out the houses and whatever so yeah i think it works both ways i still think they could have made a little bit more effort um because if if i'm looking at it i'm kind of going through if i'm looking at the on the shelves of the video stores back in the 80s that title probably wouldn't have grabbed me but no it seems yeah it seems very basic definitely last minute i i do know i listen uh, to the commentary with uh, Michael Mann, he says he does prefer uh, Red Dragon opposed to uh, Manhunter. But like I said, I like it that way. Yeah, it could have been a not such a generic type of word, but I, I still think it works in that contest. Yeah, yeah, I don't, it's not bad, but yeah, I think they could have uh, tried a little bit harder, but that's okay. Um, so I do have a question. Um, now, you, you told me in the beginning that um, this was not your first Michael Mann movie. It was my first one um but uh you missed watched after heat where does this fall um in the michael mann uh filmography is this you know is it you know top five is it you know is it hey it was a second movie so it was good i mean obviously it's not going to beat heat you know it's you know because that's i mean is it better than his redo of miami vice at least yeah and (laughs) i mean I think if if you could break it down in a top five, you know, Michael Mann, I think now, especially revisiting so much recently, it, it does fall into that top five. You're kind of getting his branching out of Miami Vice and really experimenting with film, kind of developing his signature look. Um, you know, he kind of did it with Thief a little bit, but I think right. this one is when you get, you know, you get those blue lights, you get the beautiful right. beach house, you know, you get that, you know, because this was the first time he worked with, uh, you know, Dante Spinotti, and they right. done like 
last Mohicans insider heat, you know, everything right. since then. So I think this is even Michael Mann, you can almost say he's got his own universe. You know, people dress a certain way. People have a certain way their hair looks, you know, right. the music, right. the tone, you know, it's, it's all a certain kind of look. Well, and you can definitely tell that he was, cause I think about this movie, it's like watching it again. Cause I, um, watched Red Dragon, the 2002 uh, remake, basically, mm-hmm. uh, a couple of years ago. And so watching this again and kind of doing a comparison between the two, honestly, I think Manhunter is better than the updated Red Dragon. And I think a lot of that has to do with the style of Michael Mann, um, using of colors, trying to bring people more into the movie, you know, by saying the color and go, okay, I'm supposed to feel this way and this, not only using mm-hmm. music, but the color. Um, I love at the end during the shootout at the end that he had multiple cameras running at different speeds they kind of throw you off during that thing you know crashing through the window and yeah. all that other crazy stuff they did um i think watching it now you can really see that he was kind of ahead of the curve at that time and trying new things and trying to experiment and and i think it all worked and it also shows that you don't need big names yeah because um, at that point most people really weren't anybody yeah and i'm glad you said that because like I said, after I watched that really crappy VHS copy, I never really revisited it again. And then I saw Red Dragon. And, and the initial reaction is, is that I did really enjoy Red Dragon and had for years, you know, thinking it was a really good movie. And then once I got to see a, a really good copy of Manhunter, it's not that it was remade, you know, because right. th- that's okay. But the fact that they use literally so many scenes and lines word for word from Michael Mann's script. I mean, that is where it, 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 I thought it draw the line. It was, it was almost like, yes, they have, Oh, now we can get Anthony Hopkins. And it's almost like they wanted to erase it, but write some new dialogue. It is a book, you know, have some, and the guy that wrote it, Ted Talley, you know, he wrote silence of the lamb script. So I really feel like on that one, they phoned it in and it really made me mad that I missed that Manhunter window. I I, I was like <laughs> a fan of Red Dragon for so long. And I'm like, man, I, I hate, I hate missing the party, you know? And I right, felt like right. I missed the Manhunter party. So now rewatching it so much. And I'm like, man, I, I really do feel that Red Dragon is kind of just a really mean kind of ripoff of Manhunter. Yeah, I mean, there's parts of Red Dragon, um, the things they change, like uh, the opening, we actually see uh, where Will Graham catches, uh, you know, Lecter. And, yeah. Um, and that was kind of nice to see. And of course, the ending was different with the shootout at his house in Florida, um, you know, where uh, he uh, uses, you know, he starts telling um, you know, Dollar Hyde, oh, you're a dirty boy, you know, basically doing lines from what he heard from, he read from what the mother said and things like that. So I liked that about it. Um, but I do think, uh, you take, you know, uh, Michael Mann versus Brett Ratner yes. and you're, you're, I mean, and it, it did show me that Brett Ratner can make a decent movie. Yes, he can. A decent character. Um, but it's, it's no, you can't, it does not compete yeah. with, but, I, but I also think when you have that many talented people involved in that movie, all right. you gotta do is make sure the camera's in focus. Yeah, that's you know? true. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, and I think it was interesting to see um, so many of the people from the original one, like, you know, uh, William Peterson had only really done, he was a small part in Thief and he really hadn't done much. Yeah. And then you have Brian Cox, who was very good. I thought was good as Lecter. I mean, but I want to talk real quick about him. Um, 
he actually got the job on a recommendation from Brian Denny. He was also yeah. considered for the part, which I thought was interesting. Um, and you know who like, else wanted the originally Michael Mann wanted William Friedkin. Yeah, I know that was the elector, but apparently that, that, got, that got nixed real, real quick. Yeah. yeah, I can imagine that. Now, um, <laughs> Brian Cox, what did he, he portrayed, he placed his thing off a, was it a Scottish serial mm-hmm. killer? Um, and also the behavior, because uh, Michael Mann told him to act like a 15 year old schoolboy. Yeah. Okay. Now, the funny part is his son uh, was in the movie Young Sherlock Holmes, which mm-hmm. of course I had seen because I'm that old. And, um, now, a little side note, because I'm that kind of a person, that was the first time you had a fully uh, CGI character in a yeah. feature film, and it was done by Pixar. Yeah, That's the first thing that Pixar put on a big screen. I thought that was interesting, but I think it's funny that a combination of a serial killer and your 15-year-old son is how he decided to play you know, a, a cannibal <laughs> serial yeah. killer. That's an interesting combination. So, but no, anyway... Um, what do you think about the cast? I mean, was there anybody I, that stood out to you a little bit more than the others? I mean, is I, it was Brian Cox better than, you know, Anthony Hopkins, which I know is kind of a stupid question. Uh, okay. So I think <laughs> what, what it is, is that with, with, if you take three films, if you take the, the, uh, this film, Red Dragon and Silence of the Lambs, mm-hmm. you know, Hopkins is fantastic in Silence of the Lambs. Of and course. he's pretty good in Red Dragon, but I also felt that it was unnecessary, you know, yeah. and but I really paid attention to Brian Cox's time and I tried to put out, look, just just forget Anthony Hopkins for just right. one second. Just imagine the way he's doing it. And he does it very precise. He's very quick with his words and not stumbling. You know, I, I believe him as a manipulative you know his hair slicked back looks good it's is it as horror movie creepy as hopkins no but that that's the power of two guys that are just you know phenomenal actors that can take something and make it their own complete because they're played completely differently well absolutely and i and i think it's like i said it's an unfair question because anthony hopkins at at the time of silence lambs had been around a lot longer than say Brian Cox yeah. he took this part, but, but I, I mean, definitely think he, he definitely sold it. He definitely made me believe that this is not a person you want to mess with and not a person you want to come across in an alleyway or at a dinner party, you know, either yeah. way, you don't want to, you don't want to. If you could go through your mind's IMD movie, DB movies of how many movies you've seen, I guarantee we've seen a lot more Brian Cox movies than we've seen Anthony Hopkins movies. Yes, I looked that up. He actually, according to IMDb, has 228 actor credits. Mm -hmm. That's insane. Not a lot about his voice actor, voice work, um, video games and whatever, but yes, he has. And actually, when he did his uh, audition, he actually turned his back to uh for the audition so they can just focus on his voice and not his appearance and which works because he does definitely has a uh creepy voice um real quick you know john lithgow and mandy patinkin were also up for the part yeah yeah that those are interesting choices too yeah so but anyway um what about william peterson not much at this point but i thought he did a great job i in fact i think i liked him more than edward norton and the thing is once again two really good actors absolutely but we hadn't seen that like cool, rugged, little bit, you know, grungy under the chin kind of cop, you know, but it was, it seemed like the torture of what he was going through mentally. I feel that Peterson captured more than Norton 
because yeah. and that's why i think the titles work you know red dragon i think is more about the tooth fairy in the red dragon yes. manhunter is more i feel the will graham story and Agreed. i mean when he explains it to his son in the store you know he's explaining it to us this is right. why i'm messed up and it scares me and i liked that more because it is scary to get into that crazy you know mindset you know and the the fact that they touch on that more in this movie as opposed to red dragon you know red dragon seems more like a you know catch and you know kill movie as opposed to dealing with what really really happened psychologically with red dragon it was what just happened to him almost physically right yeah, yeah. and definitely but, with, with red dragon they definitely spent more time developing uh, uh dollar Hyde's character with ray fine so which yes i totally agree you're absolutely right uh manhunter's more about well, graham whereas the red dragon remake is definitely more about Dollar yeah Hyde. and you know he kind of if you look at some of those the su suspense thriller type of cop movies not the action cop movies but the suspense thriller movies a lot of the cops from then on very similar looked and acted the way that william peterson did in this movie yeah, I think he definitely, obviously, it set him up because uh, we got him how many seasons of him in a CSI? Yeah, <laughs> which and and which you know, which do you really think he would have gotten that without looking at this movie as kind of a reference, if selling it on William Peterson? Well, I think I mean honestly, um, he already kind of had the cop thing with To Live and Die in L.A., and that was one of the reasons why he did get this job. But yeah, I think um, I think this kind of set him up. Um, after doing this movie, I think a lot of people saw it, uh, the right mm -hmm. people saw it, and I definitely think he got a career out of it. Um, yeah, yeah I, I mean, the, obviously for years, because if you look, he doesn't have that many actual movie credits. No, kind of was, no, not at all. Yeah, he was kind of picking and choosing, and uh, then of course he had CSI, which, you know, if you can get a series, then hey, why not take yeah. it? So um, I did read that he kind of felt that um, it was hard for him to get out of this character. I guess he was, during his next movie, he was shooting... Um, he really was had a hard time leaving the Will Graham character behind yeah. enough to where he actually shaved his beard and dyed his hair. So that way, when he would look in the mirror, he would see a different person than yeah. when he was. So he really got into character and yeah, I totally believe him. And you're right. I think we really uh, see the torment in his eyes, um, the concern for his family. Um, Cause he's, he's having to deal with, he knows he's good at his job. He knows he wants to find this person, but he's also deciding you know, if I do this, I'm putting my family in danger again. I'm putting my health and welfare in danger. Yeah. But, and yeah, it's like, it's a constant pulling of him two different ways. And I totally believe that throughout the entire movie. So. Yeah. Uh, and then you got uh, Tom Noonan. Right. Um, <laughs> this. He was uh, creepy. <laughs> and the thing creepy. is, the, when I just watched this again, just a couple of nights ago, just the opening sequence, even though you really don't even see him in that opening sequence, what they are describing about the victims, mm -hmm. I mean, he just does look like a larger than life, just not human, you right. know, someone that is pure evil that, you know, maybe not be of this world, you know, and but yeah i mean you know once again ralph fines another fantastic actor but Absolutely. i have to say this is where tom noonan actually it really creeped me out yeah I, from from the time he pops on the screen because he doesn't show up until like 55 like, minutes right and he makes the most of that appearance and his torture scene of the reporter is great 
Mm-hmm. And, and then when you see him um, with uh, Joan Allen's character, Reba, um, you know, the blind uh, 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 co-worker, you know, he's sitting in there in the dark room and you're kind of watching him and you're thinking, is he going to kill her? Where is this going with this? And you just don't know his motives and the entire time they're together, even though I saw the other movie and I, you know, like I said, this was years ago, I saw this one, I'm still trying to remember, wait, what does he do to her? And I'm like, no, because in the other movie, he, he, he takes her, but I'm just like trying to read his motives. And then of course he takes her to see the tiger. Well, the pet the tiger and everything. And, and you're like, I, at this point, do I want to like him or am I just waiting for the other shoe to drop and him just to snap and go after her too? And yeah, he kind of, well, he didn't kind of, he really embodied the serial killer. He had the look, he had the eyes mm-hmm. and the fact that he did not spend time with any of the his cast yeah. members that were actually, especially he, William yeah. Peterson. Yeah. He stayed away from those the entire uh, shooting schedule and had was told to re- be referred to him as dollar hide. He didn't want mm-hmm. to talk to as Tom. So um, he really uh, definitely embodied that character. And yes, I think he'd had a better performance than Ray Fiennes, which is almost blasphemous to say, considering yeah. the work that Ray Fiennes, but he really, he was super creepy, just super. You know, yeah. No. And it was like the <laughs> simplest things, just that, pantyhose over the yeah, face and right. it's and it's the first time i think you actually see his face is during the uh, uh the the uh interrogation of stephen lang right yes that's right and the, yeah. it's just a zoom up and that's what you see and it's so simple but you're like that is creepy his yeah. house is creepy just <laughs> you know his movements but like you said she is you know reba is his his only chance of redemption but when he sees and I like the way this is used instead. It's like, this guy is so messed up in the head that he sees what he wants to see her doing. Oh, absolutely. And he absolutely. saw her, you know, with the, the guy from work and, you know, right. he is, you know, he's just, he can't be saved. And when he grabs that part of the, the van and just rips it up, <laughs> you're terrified. You're like, he yep. just, you know, that's impossible to do. And he did it with his bare <laughs> hands. So that, that little tiny thing just said, this guy's mad and he can imagine what he can do with a person's, you know, body. Right. Oh yeah. Well, and of course, uh, when, um, William Graham goes to the first house, uh, I believe it was the Leeds house and he goes into the master bedroom and the, just the blood splatter everywhere. Mm-hmm. I remember, I remember the first time I saw that going, that's a lot of blood. And in 1986, that was a lot of blood, yeah. for, you know, for, you know, for a, especially a commercial movie like that. Um, but yeah, uh, it just, uh, yeah, you really kind of got a sense from that and also from him right off the dash. And then, of course, his poor co-worker that he walks up to and you're just like, man, what did he do to that guy? Because, like, you know, not knowing is actually worse than knowing, but yeah, because, you know, he tore him apart. <laughs> there was just well, no he two shoots him right in the face like two times. <laughs> like, and, and, and that's the thing. It, he walks very slowly up to him and very calmly and then just does the most horrific things. He does move. And I think it's a little more terrifying. He he taunts people. Yes, yes he, he does. You know, it's not a jump in right away. Terry, he you know he he's enjoying what he's doing to Reba. Yes, he's you know, and he's definitely you know a schizophrenic you know type of homicidal <laughs> maniac, but yes. he's <laughs> enjoying so. it. Yeah. He's enjoying it. And the yeah. looks that he gives when she's like touching the tire, you can see he is controlling this arousal that is like you know like ready to burst out of him and yeah he 
he really everybody it seemed like in this movie did their homework yeah absolutely and i know i know at first he actually did some research on serial killers and did not like how it made him feel so he just decided to i'm gonna do my own thing i'm gonna stay away from everybody i'm gonna he went started you know, working out and getting bigger and stronger. And I'm like, man, he's already, what, I think he said six, five, mm-hmm. you know? So that's a, already a big guy. So uh, interesting. Yeah. He definitely uh, did his job. Would you now, think of uh, Dennis Farina or Frankie Bones? <laughs> right. Well, he's one of those guys that um, I just kind of, I think back through my life, I'm like, I must've seen something with him every year of my life. Yeah. Cause he just is kind of all over the place. Well, he was a real um, detective. Oh, see, I did not know that. Yeah, he was a real detective for a while and then started doing some theater in like like Chicago, you know, where things can be really yeah. bad. So he was kind of like a half actor, half technical advisor about uh, detective work um, on the thing. So, I, And I think he worked on uh, Michael Mann's crime story. I think he was yes. uh, his, his lead, basically. Yeah, he was on that. And then, I mean, he's he's made he made a career out of actually doing both sides. He did a lot of cop stuff and he also did, you know, some gangster stuff. So he, uh, another guy had a, had a large body where he just, like you said, seemed to pop up in everything. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, he was really good and I totally, it was nice seeing him because it was one of the things I'd forgotten that he yeah. was in this movie, you know? Um, but, uh, no, I, it was nice seeing him. And, uh, what really threw me off though, was about the one of their meetings, um, Chris Elliott, was there yes <laughs> i'm like i'm like he's playing serious what is this yeah that, kind of, that threw me off that took me out of the movie just briefly <laughs> yeah and and if you also notice okay so do you know uh dan butler from frazier yes oh, yeah so he right? plays in both this film and silence of the lambs two different characters right i just right yeah <laughs> and then you have the guy that plays barney shows up in this as uh one of the guys working for the police and then he shows up in i believe hannibal and silence of the lambs that's right yeah he's in three of them so yeah i guess he really liked being in yeah. those movies so um now i you know joan allen um i mostly remember her from of course face off yeah because that was like you know I still wasn't the first time but it was the first time i remember seeing her um but of course she's also one of my favorite uh movies pleasantville mm-hmm and uh, I, I thought it was interesting. It doesn't surprise me at all knowing her caliber of work, but she actually uh, learned to walk around New York City blindfolded. Yeah. To get ready for this part. Now that's, you know, that's quite a trick. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I would have trusted people. The streets of New York. Now I've never been to New York, but I, I would not want to attempt that at all. No, not at all. Now, what did you think of Molly, uh, uh, Will's wife, uh, Kim? I want to say it's greased. Yeah, I think it's Kim Greist. Uh, is she the same girl from Brazil, from Terry Gilliam's Brazil? Yes, yeah, she was in Brazil. Yes. Yeah, I uh, mean, uh, and let's not forget she was in Chud also. So. Oh, okay, I can't forget that. <laughs> I I don't know. She just seems like she would be William Peterson's wife. Yeah. I, they she, look like they would definitely be a married couple. Um, I I like the way she played it. She didn't do it as is kind of um bullying him or telling him no right. no you know he explains it to her and she knows he's really good and you know once he tells her, she's like you know there's a chance i could save some lives she knows that is the the better option so i thought she played it great but yeah when i saw her i'm like that is definitely the person that william pearson's will graham would be married to right right apparently uh 
she had worked with Mayan on an episode of Miami Vice. That's kind of okay. how she got the gig from what I understand. Um, yeah, a model turned actress. So I guess there was a lot of those in the 80s, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so real quick, um, let's talk about, was there any particular scenes that stand out to you, a favorite scene, uh, sequence, anything like that, that you really, man, that's such a great scene. I'm, you know, anything that stands out to you? I think when he is piecing it all together, and he's having um, he's having Jack Dennis Farina t- uh, call, and man has this score going, and he's saying check the videotape, and the score right. kind of keeps moving, and it's this long, very slow zoom into William Peterson, and the guy's like, no, it's not. And he goes, pull the tab back. Right, check under that the label. Scene, right. And then one, and then the music raises on that that thing of like, we got him. We know yeah. who it is. We got him. And I, I, that scene uh, specifically is one that when it's, when, when they, when they do got me, I catch myself smiling, but uh, <laughs> how about you favorite scene? Honestly, I really enjoyed um, when he was uh, going through the Leeds house, you know, walking through, yeah. opening up the you know, glass door and like kind of, kind of getting into the serial killer's footsteps and trying to get into that mindset and go, okay, walking up the stairs, oh, he doesn't care about the kids and, and just trying to figure out, looking around and he's recording all of his information and like, well, I can't explain the blood splatters on the wall over there. And um, he's just, you can look in his eyes and you tell him he's like, he's, he's falling back into old habits that he's already starting to lose, um, lose himself back into this. And I just really, and, all the times, like he, especially when he climbed up the tree and found that symbol carved into the wall. Yeah. And that I mean, just any of the times where he's at the houses and doing that investigation, I really, really enjoyed that because it was like we we're getting a sneak peek, a behind the scenes look into um, how his brain works, you know, yeah. how he puts things together. And I really, um, I thought those were great just because I really, uh, it made me believe, hey, this guy's going to find him. He's going to catch him. I know we're supposed to believe he's going to because it's a movie and everything, but that made me go, yeah, he's going to find him. And an, another scene that works just so well, because it's so minimal, but it's so great. And they make it work too in Red Dragon was the, the finding of the note from the tooth fairy on the toilet paper. Going right. through that process of <laughs> trying cool. to piece all that together, getting it back, trying to pull the charade over, you know, Lecter's eyes. You know, you're getting tense about, uh, you know, a note and it it just, right. it, it, it does work in both films, but you know, the intensity is like, hurry up, get it back. Don't make any mistakes. Don't make any mistakes. You might pull right. this off. Right. But, and it also kind of showed that like, you know, that really painstakingly exhausting waiting around that police have to deal with. It's a yeah. lot oh, of waiting around for answers. And I thought that was really cool too, because it also showed how clever I mean, we knew just from meeting him that how clever Lecter was and also how clever Dollarhide was to, you know, basically use the, you know, the hidden, you know, message in the, in the notes, you know, where, where he was supposed to look for the answers and things mm-hmm. like that, um, you know, in the personals. And it's just like, okay, that's, you know, where'd that come from? So yeah, I loved the, the note on the toilet paper. So, you know, that was great too. So um, real quick, let's talk about his meeting with Lecter. Um, I know I noticed it not right away, but by the end of the scene, I was like, every time they cut, the bars are in the same spot. Yeah. Now that's detail. Like, you know, he, he, that was of course done on purpose, but I'm like going, wait, the bars don't move, but they do. I'm like, that was so cool. (laughs) Yeah. And is there supposed to be glass in between the bars? 
I think there is around you can't where tell because it yeah, looks where the little opening is for them to put the mm-hmm. trays through. I there definitely noticed glass there, but yeah, I, I did definitely didn't notice it. But yeah, the bars in the same spot. I, that was like, oh, that is so cool because it's you know it's just little things like that and that I think um, I make me now appreciate it more then. And I think a lot of people didn't know what to think of this movie in '86. And I think that's, you know, and I mean, it's become a cult classic. It definitely did not make its money back. It only made no. like $8 million on a $15 million yeah. budget. Um, but I think it's way more appreciated now because, um, like I said, I still think it's a better version of the movie than the 2002 uh, right. version. So and it's unfortunate that it took many years for people to really appreciate what. Yeah, I mean, me, me being yeah. like one right. of the main ones. And that's probably what happened to a lot of people. They started watching you know, heat and they, you know, saw the insider and saw Last of the Mohicans and go, wait, what about the movies does this guy make? And go yeah. back. And that's probably how it happened. Um, because I'll be honest, um I do like a lot. Of, I mean, I even love collateral, which a lot of people just kind of missed. Mm-hmm. You know, um but, I just watched uh, Black Hat for the first time a couple of nights ago. See, haven't even seen that one. So I want to see his director's cut because apparently his director cut is a, a lot more extended to it. Well, doesn't that does not surprise me, but I think if you really look at this, it kind of showed us how, you know, he wasn't afraid to try new things. He was going to really make every effort to uh, make every movie his, make every story he got his, and and to this day, the the shootout and heat is still one of the best shootouts ever put on film. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, so, and, and the thing is, what works great with that, um, you know, Lecter and Graham scene is what I think works better with this film is that space is a lot smaller. Yeah. And when he yes, goes, in, I mean, he <laughs> goes into the door and the cell is right there. He yeah. is standing up against that door. Cannot wait to, to get, get out. out. Yeah. I then didn't. he runs out Then runs. The, that was a great scene too. I gets, didn't feel that in red dragon. Like this no, one, like as soon no. as he was in there, he was like, and almost like the door is pushing him closer closer it, it almost feels like just a little by little they're getting closer yeah now um we both watched the director's cut and we both noticed mm-hmm. the uh the differences like the not quite so clean uh scenes that were in there did you think those added anything were they necessary did they make the right cuts when they took them out the first point what I, do you think there is one scene that i think just adds a little bit more and it's a scene where he is on the phone with lector in, okay. In, yes. the, in the hotel room, they're they're kind of talking about more of how it affected uh, Will personally. The stuff in like the police station and stuff. It's just like another couple of added, you know, little lines. Nothing really basic, but a, a few things uh, that, that I saw. Obviously, you can tell uh, which are the added <laughs> scenes and which aren't because they didn't right. get the I guess the original negative. But um, I prefer both versions. But I think just that one scene. But after seeing it. I I, I kind of like watching the movie without any added scenes that don't look good. It <laughs> don't match that well. Yeah, because it definitely made me go, oh, that's an extra scene. I even yeah, made I was a note like, of it. <laughs> and the thing is, as I was watching, I was like, have I seen this movie enough times to point out when I would know this is right. a new scene? This is, you know, because I'm usually pretty good at that. And on this one, I was, yeah, I, I definitely know when the uh, the new scene is. But yeah, the one, the only one I seemed to like um, a little bit better was when he was actually uh, talking about his wife with Lecter. Mm-hmm. Um, when that at the first meeting, I was like, "Do you really want to say anything, Tim, about yeah. about your wife?" But that was like, yeah, you're right. The rest of them seemed kind of like they were kind of throwaways. So yeah, I'm not 
like you, I would have. I it doesn't. I don't think it adds too much to the film yeah. one way or the other. So I feel More like distracting, but yeah. I feel like, especially nowadays, that Michael Mann is a movie, or, or I'm sorry, a filmmaker that a lot of people are wanting to work with. They want to oh, be in that Michael Mann movie. Well, first of all, he makes you look great. <laughs> he <laughs> yes, he makes he you look great. And he it looks like he'll set you up on a beach house somewhere with a phenomenal view. But I really do feel like a, a good actors are really, really attracted to him. I mean, look who he's worked with. Daniel Day Lewis, you know, I mean, De, De Niro Pacino, you know, and yeah, Tom on Cruise, and on. Val Kilmer, Cruise, I know. Back, you know, they just keep going, you know, down the line of people wanting to work with him. So I'm really, uh, he, he's one that when I know a movie of his is coming out, I, I do get very excited because I know it's going to be uh, something, uh, man, cool. I don't know if cool is the right word because it's so simple, you know, kind of like Manhunter. It's it's cooler than cool. It's it's slick. It's yes. very slick with a nice solid. If you want to live your life with a cool baseline, like just you know, you know, changing your moods as you walk, you know, that that's the Michael Mann movie. And I yeah, and I yep. do like he has that specific look. And yeah, it's always fun when he's got a new movie coming out. Yeah, I I will say that. Yeah, I definitely um, remember the first time I saw Last of the Mohicans, and I was just. You know, I'm like, I'm blown away by this story and I'm blown away by and, and I think he's proven that he can do different movies. Like he's not a one trick pony. It's not all thrillers, no. it's not all action. But so and like with The Insider, you know, that was such a good movie and it was, you know, you know, a, not really any, I mean, it was just a nice, great drama. It just you know? got lost in that 99 shuffle of American Beauty. You right. know, it was kind of, you know, you have American Beauty, Boys Don't Cry. Those were the ones that were making the headlines. The Insider was like that. Hey, we're pretty good. We're over here, too. <laughs> right. yeah. Um, yeah, it, but yeah, I loved The Insider. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think Michael Mann, um, he obviously has a way of doing things. He obviously knows what he wants. And going back and after seeing the other ones, you know, seeing Heat and Insider and Last of Mohicans and, and stuff like that, and going back and watching this again, you're like, man, he really was good from the get-go. It wasn't yeah. like he had to find his foot. I mean, he, you know, he was just, this is how I'm going to play it. And it was, and I'm just going to get better from here. And, yeah. and he definitely done that. And too. his, his action films are very, uh, they're not complicated. They're just complex. There's a lot yes. of pieces to them. You know, you really have to pay attention in Last of the Mohicans to know who's fighting for who, what's going on in the, you know, in the country at that time, who are your enemies, you know, the, the politics of that time, you know, same thing as I was watching uh, uh, Black Hat is, you know, very similar. It's like, you got to pay attention. And like I said, I think that's why that first time seeing Manhunter, I was, you couldn't really focus. And, you know, his movies, you need to focus on. You can't watch these movies with other people around. There's like, it's Michael Mann movie. We have to really listen and pay attention. Yeah, I agree. I definitely, um, after watching it again, uh, it, I kind of felt bad that after I started watching, I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. This is Red Dragon. And I felt yeah. bad, but then I'm like thinking like, when I got, to, got done, I'm like, yeah, but this is better than Red Dragon. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's, he uh he doesn't depend on the action he doesn't mm -hmm. depend on uh the actors he, he just saves looks, it yeah. he yes. saves it because because when you get it it's going to be pretty damn good yeah i i agree should we do the 86 breakdown i was just getting to that you read my mind from all the way over here so okay so um 
86 breakdown. Is this, well, I mean, we know, well, there could be an argument made for it being the best movie of the year. Is it the best cop movie of the year of 1986? I think I know what you thought about Cobra. So now yeah, I'm yeah. put that to you. What I think is this is the best suspense thriller, you know, a full on, you know, before seven, uh, right. you know, type of thing, you know, this was before that, before Sounds of the Lambs. It was the best, you know, kind of, I feel like during the 80s, you wanted to stay up late for that. You know, a couple movies like, what is it, Jagged Edge, you know, Black right. Widow. You know, the 80s had that like suspenseful thriller. As far as suspenseful thrillers with, uh, you know, a serial killer kind of mix. Yeah, I, I think it would definitely go in that. Yeah, I, I, I think it's almost... Uh almost an insult to call it a cop movie because I think there's a lot more going on to it than that. I think we can say it is the best movie based on the Thomas Harris Red Dragon novel. <laughs> I think yes. we both can agree on that. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It, um, I think it was, I would, I feel that if you look at the movies that were from that year, I definitely think a case can be made for it to be top five. Um, it was original. It was different. Uh, the acting was stellar. Um, there was, you know, I mean, it, there I can't even think, I don't really feel like there's anything in there that was distracting that took me out of the movie with the exception of the uh, um, Chris Elliott popping up and you yeah. know, the obviously the, the director cut scenes. But it was just from beginning to end, it was a solid picture. So And uh, it worked for both an 80s picture, but not, not being stuck in that genre of right. only being an 80s picture. Right. It definitely, it, um, it, I, I, after watching it again, I'm like, you know, some movies age well, and this one did. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, you have all the, you know, everybody who seemed to be smoking cigarettes in the 80s, and that's that's noted. <laughs> this definitely had that too. But yeah. it's not like watching it made me think, oh, this is in 1980 something. You know, it, yeah. it, it was it was good enough, and the music wasn't so distracting that you made you made you think of the 80s. Mm-hmm. So no, I, I definitely think it's one of the one of the, one of the best of the 80s, as well as it's still better than Cobra, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, how about uh, the Nintendo Face-Off? Nintendo what game face- are you playing, and who are you playing it with? Well, there's a reason. William Peterson, as Will Graham, playing Pitfall because he does the greatest <laughs> jump through that window at the end of the movie. I'm like, that guy knows how to jump. That guy is is going to be good at Pitfall. So, I would want to play Pitfall with William Peterson. Yeah. All right. That's that's a a very <laughs> unusual choice. How about like you? Um, actually, I'm going to play, uh, I'm bringing over Dennis Farina. We're going to play Gumshoe because it's about a retired FBI agent that goes on, you know, go become a detective or whatever. And it's, it's a shooter, so it was funny. But I, I thought that was kind of, uh, you know, it kind of made sense to invite over a Fed mm-hmm. to play in yeah. a game with an ex-Fed. So, um, and it's a pretty cool game. I think people forget about it. So we're going to play Gumshoe with uh with dennis farina so and because i think i would in 86 didn't have a lot of stories but i'm sure the stories he had were pretty good considering yeah. what he you know for where he came from so and, and the thing is if you like a good you know serial killer type of suspenseful thriller i don't think we're going to get too many of those you know in the future because with technology which which the way things are it's very hard to get away with stuff you know it's obviously very hard to do what you know the tooth fairy does in this movie so if you want to like 
if you enjoyed Red Dragon, I really, really suggest that you give Manhunter a try. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, you, it's a, it's a better movie. It just is a better movie. Even, uh, even the critics on IMDb say yeah. so too. So <laughs> this one had, I think a 78 and Red Dragon had a 60. So there you go. Mm-hmm. That's a big disparity right there. Right. So, yeah. All right. Well, uh, so, Dayton, thanks for pitch hitting this week. Hey, it was my pleasure, man. It was a lot of fun. It was a great movie to talk about too. Oh yeah. I didn't want to miss this one, but uh, yeah, it was great. And I believe uh, we'll be coming at you next week with a film by doing a little bit of a uh, Clint Eastwood is a uh, perfect world with Kevin. Oh, Costner. I yeah. love that movie. Yeah. Great so, choice. Great but, choice. Uh, but let's give our audience a little bit of information about us. If you wanted to just catch us on Facebook or Twitter, we're at a film by on, of course, Facebook or Twitter. Our email, if you want to reach out, let us know suggestions about movies, directors, what you thought of the episode. You can catch us at a film by podcast at gmail.com. And at our website, you can leave comments there. And all of our episodes are streaming on everything. Spotify, Apple podcast, you know, it's all there. But check out our website at www.afilmbypodcast.com. And um, this was a lot of fun. Um, glad you got to see time. the director's cut. And uh, yeah, we'll, me too. See, we'll see everybody next time for 86. I'm Brad Cozo. I'm Dayton Johnson. Take care, guys. See you.